I want, I want, I want me, 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 mine, 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 now, now, now. You know you're responsible for what you hear. You know you're responsible for what you hear. Greetings and welcome to Thoughts from Harry Head, the podcast where I talk about, well, whatever happens to be bouncing around inside my head at the moment, but mostly focusing on constitutional issues and political decentralization. This is episode 138 of Thoughts from Harry Head, and I appreciate you tuning in. This week, I'm going to talk about the Electoral College. Ever since Donald Trump's election, there's been a lot of talk about abolishing the Electoral College, uh, primarily because Trump won, but he did not win the popular vote. Hillary Clinton won the popular vote. So this is primarily a movement coming from the left. They want to do away with the Electoral College. Of course, actually amending the Constitution and getting rid of that institution uh, is really unlikely. So they have uh, stumbled upon another political strategy uh, what they're doing is they're working to get as many states as possible to simply allocate all of their electoral votes to the winner of the popular vote. And uh, the way the Constitution is worded, uh, the states have pretty much complete control over how they allocate their electors. So uh, just recently in Colorado, that legislature passed a bill that would do just that. Uh, Whoever won the popular vote would get all of Colorado's electoral votes, uh, no matter how the state of Colorado happened to vote. So why is this going on? Well, obviously, it's mainly political. Your Democrats are concentrated in a relatively small area, uh, mostly urban, and your red voters are spread out throughout the state. So the Electoral College at this point gives a little bit of advantage to the Republicans. And let's, you know, let's get down to brass tacks here. If it was the other way around and the Republican voters were in the urban areas, they would be the ones calling for the abolition of the Electoral College. Now, when it gets into the debate, of course, they want to uh, you know, appeal to more noble principles. So your Republicans and conservatives will talk about constitutional fidelity, and uh, the main argument that you'll hear from the Democrats is that uh, this is more democratic. It's more democratic to have a national popular vote. As a uh, petition at the Move On website put it, one person, one vote to determine the one leader who is supposed to answer to all the people of the country. Now, this seems plausible on the surface. The president serves as the leader of the nation, right? He's our national leader. So why shouldn't he or she be elected by a national popular vote? Well, the fundamental answer is that the United States are not a nation, and the abolition of the Electoral College would fundamentally alter the constitutional system the founding generation envisioned. And that's really my concern 
about the Electoral College debate. I don't care about red team, blue team so much, but I do care about the foundation of the Constitution. And the Constitution, the system is based on the idea that the states are the primary political society in the system. It's not a nation. It's not one giant glob. It is a union of 50 sovereign political societies. I mean, even Alexander Hamilton, who was a nationalist at heart, had to confess when he wrote the Federalist Papers that the constitutional system was not a national system. He wrote, an entire consolidation of the states into one complete national sovereignty would imply an entire subordination of the parts, and whatever powers might remain in them would be altogether dependent on the general will. But the plan of the convention aims only at a partial union or consolidation. The state governments would clearly retain all rights of sovereignty which they before had, and which were not by that act exclusively delegated to the United States. Basically, this national election, the popular vote, would do exactly what Alexander Hamilton said the system was not meant to do. It would further subjugate the states to the general will. Consider this. Under Colorado's plan, Colorado could vote for the Republican. But if the Democrat wins the popular vote, then all of the electoral votes are going to go to that Democrat, not the Republican. So you could say, well, it's more democratic if you're looking at things in a national sense. But if you look at the state of Colorado, that plan, that system actually subverts the will of the people of Colorado. And if you believe, as I do, and like I said, it's undeniable, that that the state is the primary sovereign political society in the system, then it should be what Colorado wants. Colorado's vote toward the president should determine who the president is, not the big national conglomeration. This was actually something the founding generation rejected, the the idea of a national consolidation, a national government. That was rejected during the process of... uh, drafting and ratifying the Constitution, and the Electoral College reflects this. Now, when you go to the Philadelphia Convention, there were several ways to choose the president that were debated, uh, including a popular vote. Pennsylvania delegate James Wilson proposed, quote, an appointment by the people, in other words, popular vote. Now, unsurprisingly, Wilson was a devout nationalist. He believed that selecting the president through a popular election that included all of the eligible voters in each state would make the president and Congress, quote, as independent as possible of each other, as well as of the states. Notice Wilson wanted to take the states out of the loop. He wanted to subjugate the states to the general will. He wanted a national government. A popular vote was a way to create this national government. Now, his wasn't the only proposal. There were also proposals to have Congress choose the president and for the governors of the states to make the selection. And early on, it looked like the congressional appointment would be the way that the convention would go. But delegates later revisited the issue of presidential selection in the summer of 1787. Now, New York's Governor Morris, sometimes called the penman of the Constitution, he vehemently opposed congressional appointment. He argued that there needed to be a clear separation between the legislative and executive branches, and I agree with that. He said the congressional selection would make the president, quote, the mere creature of the legislature if appointed and impeachable by that body. 
He supported Wilson's call for a popular election, saying he ought to be elected by the people at large, by the freeholders of the country. But several other delegates actually brought up strong arguments against popular election. South Carolina delegate Charles Pinckney warned that popular elections would be led by a few active designing men, and he feared that the most populous states, by combining in favor of the same individual, will be able to carry their points. Now, I think Pinckney was on to the biggest problem with the Electoral College. If we have popular vote, basically, Los Angeles, New York, uh, you know, the large population states are going to determine who the president is. Now, there's this argument that we'll get rid of the battleground states if we have popular vote and we'll, we'll, we'll make it more of a fair campaign. That's not going to happen. It'll just change where the battleground states are. Now, think about this for a moment. What are the battleground states? They are the states that have the most divided political society. Kentucky, not a battleground state because it is solidly red. Uh, Ohio, a battleground state because it's almost equally divided. So that's why that's where the campaign is. Those are the states that have the most contentious debate about who the president should be. That's how it should be. It should be based on the states. That is the system. Now, Virginia's George Mason also raised concerns about a popular vote. He argued that it would be as unnatural to refer the choice of a proper character for the chief magistrate to the people as it would be to refer a trial of colors to a blind man. So he didn't really have much faith in uh, the population at large to select a president. He thought the electors would be uh, more qualified, more knowledgeable. Not sure that really carries a whole lot of weight in 2019, but nevertheless, that was one of the arguments. So at this point, the plan to choose the president by popular election was actually put up for a vote, and it was soundly defeated, with only delegations from Maryland and Delaware voting yes. Here's the point. This idea of a popular vote was debated and rejected during the drafting of the Constitution because it did not fit within the constitutional system. This is not a national government. It was never meant to be. It is a union of states. The states are the preeminent political society in the system. The states should remain that way. This is just a further effort to consolidate everything into one gigantic blob. It's more centralization. We don't need more centralization. We need more decentralization. That's why it's imperative that we protect the institution of the Electoral College. It's actually protecting the integrity of the system. We are not one nation. We are a union of states. As I said, a decentralized system, we need to protect that. Well, that's it for this episode of Thoughts from Meharry Head. We're another 10 minutes closer to freedom. I really appreciate you listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, do me a favor and spread the word. And feel free to send me any thoughts or ideas to michael.meharry at 10thamendmentcenter.com. You can subscribe to the show over at iTunes. I really do appreciate you listening, and I will talk to you next time.